didn't invent great sound. We perfected it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond on the WLTKDB.com network, also the Let's Talk.com. You can also join the chat room, sign in through Facebook right there. I hope you're doing well this evening. Tonight, uh, I'm looking forward to having my guest on. He's someone that I initially met at the Oregon Ghost Conference. I want to say it was 2015 or 2016, and I also attended his conference in Port Gamble, the Port Gamble Ghost Conference as well, and since then we've kept in touch. It's, he's someone that I admire greatly up in the Pacific Northwest paranormal research field. Pete Orbea, thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you? I'm doing well, and thanks for having me on. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, and I forgot to mention you have... Uh, Hello, you have your own show too on the network. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Paranormal Pete, so make sure to check that out as well. Tuesday night. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so you know, I I remember meeting and I I thought to myself, this guy is like so genuine and so knowledgeable. And so we need more people like that in the field. So uh can you tell us a little bit about your background in, in the paranormal and then uh, I guess any uh, experiences that you had like as a child? Because I remember you were talking about that you had some experiences as a child as well. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, well, I, you know, uh, I've been researching and investigating since um, 2011. Um, and so I'm coming up on 10 years here and I guess in a, couple months wow um, and you know total newbie to it all um always had an interest in um ghosts you know yeah. and bigfoot and ufos and you know always kind of grew up with an open mind um you know i'll admit i'm a huge star wars nerd and so right? aren't, aren't we all <laughs> I grew- 
yeah, I grew up on that, you know, and so I just had this open mind. There's got to be more out there than we know, but, uh, you know, and honestly, um, I had, did have some experiences growing up and so I was open to it and like before, you know, most of the TV shows and everything, you know, I was like, Hey, there, there's something, something weird going on here, but I had no clue. And then early two thousands when ghost hunters came out, um, you know, I thought it was really cool because of this, these guys approach, you know, early on. And it, I was like, wait a minute, you can, there's a field of research, you know, I, I, looking back, it's like, wow, how ignorant was I of everything and all the previous research and all that stuff. And, you know, but I looked at ghost hunters and was like, wow, you can, they're researching this and they're trying to actually get evidence. And so then I got, a lot more interested in it and it was just kind of a, 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 something that I would always think about and when I came to Port Gamble in uh, 2007 um, I worked at a business up here and that's kind of how I got into Port Gamble and I had an experience at the place I worked um, I don't think it was very long after I even started there. And then I, you know, I didn't quite know what to think about it. And basically what happened is there was a metal file flew off of a table and hit the wall right next to my leg and left the dent. And I just couldn't figure out how it went from this, this file went from this table and traveled six, seven feet and hit the wall first before hitting the floor. And that's some serious energy right there. Yeah. That's some some serious energy right there. Right. And, and, you know, I wasn't investigating the paranormal or anything at this point. And this was a, I guess around probably around 2007. Um, It was around the time I moved to Port Gamble Mm -hmm. and just couldn't explain it. And then, you know, a couple of years go by and I start hearing from, friends and then um, the town manager at the time um, she was she had already been inviting paranormal teams out here to investigate for um, six years so far you know at that point yeah yeah and so then I was like wait what (laughs) (laughs) wait there there's there's all these stories what I know and uh, (laughs) yeah and then I started working for the company that owns the town because it still is a company owned town um, to where every building except for the Masonic Lodge is owned by the company. And it's been that way since 1853. And uh, so I, when I started working for the town, I started doing the ghost walks. Um, they had already been started as a, as an event um, and then the people doing it didn't really want to keep doing it and I wanted to do it. So I've been doing them ever since. <laughs> and there are, So please. coming up on uh, 10 years of that. So, Oh my God, that's amazing. And you know, you said something earlier, you said you consider yourself a newbie. I do too. I mean, I, I feel that and you're not, I mean, you're like 10 years into the field, which I think is, you know, an accomplishment, but I always feel that I'm, there's always something to learn. Never consider myself oh. an expert think there is such a thing at all as an expert in this field so yeah so 
And I think, you know, across all parts of life, we should always be learning. Yes. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you in this field specifically, I don't think you can say there's an expert, but you no, know, like in the yeah. medical field and things like that. Yes, there are experts. <laughs> yeah, I kind of <laughs> you know, used, but we sh- you we know. should always. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say we should always be learning, right? You know, whether Absolutely. it's paranormal field or yeah. whatever yeah. it might be. So. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I feel like a newbie. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Still, I really do. And you know, if if and I've I'm sure you've been told, oh, you're a paranormal expert. I've been told that, and I kindly correct people. I'm like, no, I'm not. I I consider myself more of a student of the paranormal, so to speak. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, yeah. I just feel more comfortable <laughs> saying that. So. But, you know, I, I visited the town of Port Gamble, Washington. I believe it was in 2017 for your yep. uh, uh, Port, uh, Port Gamble Paranormal Ghost Conference. Excellent conference. Uh, Thank you. Annual. And you now have it in November because it used to be in October, but it's now yep. in, in we usually, Yeah, we usually shoot for um, the first weekend or second weekend in November. That way... Um, a lot of the people that I am lucky enough to have come speak at the conference, they're usually busy right around Halloween, as you can imagine. Exactly. Because, you know, ghosts right. only come around on Halloween, so everyone's real busy. <laughs> I know. And so we moved it to November to kind of help with that. And Yeah, I think um, that's a good month. But I, I remember people saying, you have to visit Port Gamble. And when I drove up, because I remember uh, Karen Frazier and I actually, uh, I flew up and stayed with her and then mm-hmm. she drove us there and the second we it, it's literally like a movie set in Maine it's it's so beautiful it's and totally. you're so lucky to live there and it's I, just, yes there's a, feel, <laughs> there's a feel to it though I mean it, it sounds like the whole town has paranormal activity and even parts of it are said to be haunted what do you think is, yeah. I mean, besides history, uh, maybe give a little history lesson mm-hmm. of the, or on the town, but besides that, what do you think contributes to that, to all the paranormal activity in, in all the buildings? Oh, that, yeah, that's a great question, um, exactly what the cause would be. There's there's a lot of different things that you can take into consideration. So right. I can't honestly say Ex- yeah. this is what it is. Right. I can tell you what I think it is. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Now you mentioned you, you know you felt like you came onto a movie set in Maine. Yes. Um, the founders of the town are from Maine, ah. and all the trees that line the streets here are actually they were brought in from Maine in the 1890s. Oh wow. Um, so the in the fall, it really does look like New England here with the it colors. Does. It's the trees, beautiful. the trees are actually from there. <laughs> so it's, I think that's a big part of is because the town is in a state close to how it was back in the day. The buildings are taken care of. You know, there's people living in the buildings. Uh, there's commercial, you know ones that were rezoned to be commercial after the sawmill closed in 1995. So there's businesses and shops and restaurants and then there's residential houses, but it's been kept up in all these years. And so Mm -hmm. I think that 
that has a big part of it. Native American history uh, right, on this course. land, I think, has something to do with it. Of course. You know, I, I think there's definitely something there to that. Mm. Um, you know, most people think about the sawmill. It ran for 142 years. That's, so that's, it's the longest running sawmill. That's incredible. Yeah, in, in U.S. history. And so most people automatically think of that as to why it's there's so much activity and it very well may have something to do with it. Um, but, uh, you know, I always ask people on my ghost walk tours, uh, how many people do they think died on the mill site in 142 years? And some people think, you know, hundreds. Yeah. And, you know, I, I might think that too, if I didn't know. And in reality, there's uh, only been four reported deaths on the mill site over that 142 years. And, and I imagine so when I learned, then they didn't keep records like they do now. So it's probably logical that yes, more people did tragically die. Well, it's kind of a trick question because that we know people died in the doctor's house from injuries, oh. you know, on the mill, you know, mm-hmm. sustained on the mill site. You'd be amazed at the record keeping that happened here. Oh, um, it's okay. Well, Learn something. Yeah, the town archives, the town archives are thorough, and we have the company kept everything. You know, meeting notes, uh, hand drawn surveys of areas. I wow. mean, um, family. You know, ephemera. Um, I mean, they kept everything. So. That's it's impressive. pretty amazing. They were known for a pretty good safety record out here, which is amazing. There's lots of fires. And so a lot of people think that that has something to do with it. But at least from what I found so far in my research, no reported deaths from fires. Um, so when I found out, you know, only four people died on the mill site, I was kind of like, dang it. I was kind of hoping that was, There was going to be something there that pointed to, yes, that's why there's a widespread haunting. But, you know, you you could look at geology. Um, There's quartz in the bedrock here. There's no ley lines that are close. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's one that's sort of close. It's in Puget Sound. But that's it's not close enough, in my opinion, to affect anything. So, I mean, I really think it's because the town looks like it did. Uh, The mill's no longer there. or the hospital building, which is a shame. I would love to investigate that place. Oh, um, yeah. I can imagine. But uh, <laughs> the doctor's house and the original hospital is, is still here, but there was a bigger one. Um, but I think it's just people love it here so much and they don't want to leave. And I kind of take that from my own experience because my family, we, we love living here. And so I could see not wanting to leave. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. It's it's just it's very beautiful and and I think the familiarity yeah. of it, how it's been kept up the same, I think that that allows the spirits to feel comfortable. You know, they have some sense of familiarity. So that absolutely makes sense. Have yeah. you been able I mean and being that the records were kept so meticulously, I mean that's excellent for a an archaeologist or or historian that wants to come in and learn more um Mm -hmm. through your research uh, of the town uh, have you been able to actually document historical figures from the late 1800s 
in regards to an, an ex- a paranormal experience yeah, that happened? Yeah, and a haunting or, um, or uh, any sort of paranormal experience. I think in, I think in some ways, um, and there's still so much in there I haven't even looked at yet. So right. there's a lot of questions that I have still tons of questions. And I feel like I've s- scratched the surface with like 5% of what's b- in there. That's, yes. That's how I always <laughs> so, deal with places. <laughs> yeah. Th- there's so, so much, but you know, um, if you look at people's reports from investigations where they, you know, will tell us, you know, tell me what they experienced or, um, some people have reported apparitions then the description fits some of the people um, like Edwin Ames or William Walker from the Walker Ames house. Right. Um, you know, so there's been some of that. What seems to happen more to me is we get, we'll get a name and then I, I can't find it in the house history. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> you yeah, know, that's and awesome. then, yeah. So, but again, there's so much that I haven't even, I don't even know exists yet. So, and that's what, you know, what I know now going back. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And it's just an um, ongoing study for you. Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm sure there's so many, if walls could talk, right. If walls could talk now, the Walker Ames house. Now I'm, I'm sure you're Mm -hmm. so used to obviously talking about the Walker Ames house. Now I, was able to never gets old i know i know right that's well that's how i feel about many places and of course that <clears throat> queen mary sorry i had to say it but oh yeah <laughs> uh, but, but many places uh it's there's always something special about investigating a different sure. place or or a new place that you haven't been to before but when i first sure. entered the walker ames now i just i went in there for about maybe 10 minutes karen fraser actually went in with, with me and Okay. I didn't know anything about the home, anything like that. And I could sense almost just walking up the path. I sensed a lot of energy there. And when I got inside, I think, I forget what room it was. I think it was upstairs, maybe in the dining room area. I might be wrong, but I don't know what happened, but I just started crying. I felt just all kinds of sorrow, sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just overwhelming. And I'm usually able to control my tears, but it was just... And I remember Karen saying, yep, yep, because, you know, she was concurring with me. And then we actually just went down into the basement very briefly. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't stay down there. It was just, just, I felt that someone suffered down there. I don't know if I'm right or not, but uh, yep. it's, it's a very interesting, interesting historical place. Yeah. yeah and, and interestingly enough, with the basement, um, there's nothing that's been found yet written record of anything about that basement. So it, we've, we've really just, you know, relied on evidence Mm -hmm. and personal experiences and how often do things line up locations in the house, you know, things like that. And what I find interesting is um, the ladies seem to have, way more troubles in the basement than guys oh, do. Um, yeah, intriguing. it's just always been that, always oh. been that way. Um, and, and research started in around 2003. So it's, it's always been that way. And it used to be prior to 2005, really nasty down there. 
uh, energy wise. And then the town manager um, had the walls removed in the basement and opened it up. And that kind of changed it. And even in 2011, when I started going down there, uh, it didn't feel right down there. <laughs> Right. It it, it didn't feel good. And you just always felt unwelcome and ladies were always having issues down there. Um, So that thought, because we have to uh, take a a quick break. You are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and beyond on the WLTKDB network with guest Pete Orbea. Be right back. Stay tuned. WLTK DB Let's Talk Alternative Talk Radio WLTKDB.com Patreon is a place for creators. We're one of them. Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash WLTKDB. Check out all the unique support tiers we offer. You can get early release episodes, station mugs and t-shirts, free station service work, and much more. Help the station reach its $1,000 per month goal to make our station totally ad-free. Patreon.com slash WLTKDB. We appreciate your support. Maggie Reiki is a full-service Reiki therapy center offering both in-person and distance Reiki sessions. Reiki is a gentle healing energy that can assist in clearing, repairing, and maintaining energy that is vital for optimal health. Reiki can also assist with anxiety, depression, and even addiction. You can schedule a Reiki session by visiting our website, www.mackeyreiki.com. That's www.m-a-c-k-e-y-r-e-i-k-i.com. Of all the radio stations in the world, we're one of them. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Twenty-two minutes past the hour. You are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond on the WLTKTV network. Tonight we are talking with Pete Orbea, paranormal investigator from Fort Campbell, Washington, and psychic medium. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the history of Fort Campbell, maybe some of his theories as to what has led up to some of the paranormal activity there uh, and hauntings. And right before the break, we were touching on the Walker Ames house, probably one of the most iconic buildings in Port Gamble and talking about the energy there. So let's go ahead and continue that. You were talking about how there was renovation in the basement. You said in 2003 and that, and that changed. Yeah, I believe it was around 2005 when they, made some changes down there. So there were rooms in the basement, like you would expect in a large Victorian home basement. And um, from what I understand from reading about it, um, because our our former town manager, um, Shannon Smith, she Mm -hmm. kept meticulous records of people's experiences. It's fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. I'm trying. Amazing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm trying, but she, she was very thorough. And from from what I understand is they removed these walls to these rooms and that, that kind of seemed to help 
the energy or energies that were in the basement. And I, I was kind of touching on that before we went to break that <clears throat> ladies seem to have a lot more issues, bad feelings, unwelcomeness you know some people are just run out of the basement like i just i got to get out of here i've um heard of people you know just had the vision of the building coming down on top of them so they felt like they had to get out of there oh wow and we're having a little bit of a little internet um, connection stay tuned people feeling like they get punched in the back or like a bear hug from behind. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. So gotta love the internet. Whatever. No, I mean, you know, it has a mind of its own. Well, (laughs) the internet in Port Gamble is not that great. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know. I don't know what, happened down there and there's a lot of theories and again we try and go off audio pieces that are collected mm-hmm. and and personal experience look at what are the similarities between the stories but yes. something down there did not like the ladies for sure um there's lots of different theories about a boy you know in the basement um mm-hmm. and i'm not quite sure what to believe but i just know the stories and i know the the experiences for me i have had an experience down there. I was leading a tour. So it's very rare for me to experience anything in the basement. It just, it's just an old basement to me, Mm -hmm. but on a tour, um, probably 2015. So a number of years ago, I had been asking some questions, you know, just doing a little, um, questioning, see if we get somebody to answer back. And somebody did, um, from this certain corner in the basement where many people believe that the spirit would, would reside. And it was just a one word. I had asked a question and we got a yes response and it was seemed to be a male voice. And then pretty much the tour was over at that point. Everyone wanted to leave. (laughs) They're too spooked out. But but, uh, I had an experience two years ago. um, Well, now we're in 2021. So three years ago, it was in 2018 and where I, I felt something behind me. And then it was like an eye, it was like an eyeball and a part of a cheek went in front of my face as if it was looking oh, at me. Oh, that's weird. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've yeah. seen like just necks, a neck and a head, but to actually, oh, my, my headset there, but to actually just see an eyeball and part of a skin. Wow. And it was clear yeah, it, as, as solid. It's what it looked like to me. And wow. It, it, and it went by, you know, fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I saw was, so I, it was pretty dark down there. And um, again, you know, ghosts only come out when it's dark. Of course. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> it seemed, it seemed to be, it seemed to be lit from behind a little bit to where oh, okay. the edges of this, the edges of it look like if you were to rip a piece of a, a section out of a piece of paper and then shine a flashlight behind it right. around where you've made a rip, it's going to be extra illuminated. Yes. And that's, that's what it looked like. And that's what caught my, my eye, uh, wow. so to speak. But, uh, and that was a, you know, 2018, but for me, it's pretty rare, but the ladies, you know, have, hey 
yeah, reported all kinds of things down there. That's interesting. Now, I, you know, I don't know if the, if I'm right or not, but when I started going down the stairs into the basement, I sensed a male figure, but I sensed a boy. I, I don't. I couldn't really get an age. Maybe more early teens. Okay. But I, I, I kind of got the feeling of that there was a fire down there and someone was burned. I don't know if maybe tortured. I hmm. don't know if that rings a bell at all with the historical records. But uh, well, I mean, it wasn't a comfortable feeling at all. Sure, sure. Well, so, the the bases of all the fireplaces in the house. This house has probably a dozen, close to a dozen fireplaces in it, <clears throat> and so a lot of those. <clears throat> excuse me they're kind of stacked on the floors. So you'll have like these main chimneys that run all the way into the the basement. And so it's very possible that there were, they had fires down there. Um, Doesn't appear to be any fire damage unless it was completely repaired um, before. Um, And then I don't know. I I don't want to say somebody was tortured down there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just because there's no written record. Like if I found a written record of that was close to that, I might be like, wow. Okay. But, um, you know, kind of what a lot of people think is, is maybe somebody was kept down there because of mental disabilities from time to time. Okay. Yeah. That, that could have been maybe where I was picking up on maybe the, the, that torture. That to me is, is, more plausible that somebody, because when you look, you know, historically, um, and by the way, I think it was probably from the 1920s era and not 1800s. Okay. Um, or maybe the teens somewhere in their 19 teens. Um, but, uh, you know, what did they do with people with mental disabilities? Oh they, yeah. They yeah. would hide them. And exactly. Right. It's, but trying to find the record of, a boy or you know mm. a child you know it's been mm. difficult um and maybe it will unsurface with time but if you don't have those historical yeah. records to go by and you're just relying on yes paranormal research i mean uh some people can argue that that's not enough and it it, it really isn't in many cases but sure. if you have enough correlations and corroborations with personal experiences and or or data, then maybe Mm -hmm. you can start to see a pattern. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, to me, a lot of the activity is just, it's going about its own business. So it's more like a haunting. Yeah. Um, But there is intelligent type that will interact with you and answer questions um, disembodied or mm-hmm. EVP. Uh, it's yeah. predominantly, you know, the most common piece of evidence out of that house is an EVP, but lots of disembodied voices. So there's kind of a mixed bag in the house. Um, and there's just seems to be so much audio that comes out of this place. Um, yeah. I, I feel like every, I don't record every time I go in there because. I don't have the time to go through every time I go in there. <laughs> exactly. So and I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be doing it justice, right. you know, on the, on the evidence review part, but I feel like every time I have had audio running in this place, I get some strange things, voices or strange sounds. You know, if I leave it there, leave the audio there and leave and then come back, 
there's always seems to be something. So I don't, it's just a interesting place. It might be the ground that it's built on. It could you know, be. I'm not, yes. I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm not really sure why. Or so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Have, and it, have you know, you or have you, or I guess anyone else tried to help move some of the spirits on some of the intelligent energies or are they well, um, choosing to remain by choice? Choosing choosing to remain, however, in the basement of yeah. the place. Many people, um, psychic investigators, mm-hmm. um, felt like, and, and I'll, I'll just preface that for me, I almost feel blinded in that house in a sense of, I can tell you when someone's there, but I can't always tell you, Male, female, right. young, old. I don't so, see it. I can just yeah, feel it. That's their way of but when I go to other them. other locations, yeah, exactly. And I feel like uh, I've always tried to keep up a nice rapport with our quote unquote mm-hmm. long term residents. Yeah, um, I try and be respectful. And I always let them know what I'm doing when I'm in there and all this kind of stuff. And so I think possibly, you know, I'm just kind of a part of the house. Yeah. And I'm (laughs) sure that they know you and, and and feel comfortable with you. They know that you're respecting them. I I mean, respect, you said that word, that's huge in my opinion in this field. I think that that goes a long way to have, to abide by that golden rule. Um, You know, Allie and I, Allie, uh, my dear friend, a co-director of my team down in San Diego, we are always stressing the importance of of respect and upholding that. So, and I'm sure they, they know you. And when you enter they're they're like, Oh, Pete's here. You know, I I always announce myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, on a team investigation more recently, I did not investigate with them. I didn't hang out. And so stay tuned guys just a little bit of an internet thing and they were getting um see comes back you there am i better now yeah you're better it's a gotta love the internet you just say you know what I like turning it into Max Hedrum, like Max Hedrum over here. Yeah, you're. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You just gotta love it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what I was going to talk about. Dang internet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I even forgot. I think you said your original question was have me or other people tried to move things on? And I don't. I, I don't do that. Um, it's not for me. Um, I don't feel it. I don't feel it's my place. Yeah. Um, not like me. And I don't feel like someday it would be my place. I just mm-hmm. don't, it's not for me. Um, but there, there was a team that came in and helped with the basement and whatever they did helped. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, that's good. Yeah. That's good it, it actually, mm-hmm. it actually got pretty quiet down there, which was cool. Um, and sometimes a name would be captured on EVP down there, Robert, Robert, uh, and that, and that would be as far as I know from looking back and hearing stories is it was usually the basement where you would only get that name. 
So maybe that well, is Well, after yeah. well, after this team came in and helped with the basement, somebody got Robert upstairs. Oh. And so we felt that Robert was trapped in the basement. And possibly there was another entity. This is what we think, possibly. Another entity was keeping him down there. Okay. And that other entity was the nasty one and left. So that actually then, makes sense when you think <clears throat> about it. I mean, that's that absolutely makes sense. But I, I do agree with you. I think in terms of spirit rescue, you know, we don't have ownership over this uh, over ghosts or spirits. We don't. I mean, we right. can maybe offer that to them if they if they should desire to move on. We can help facilitate. But it's it's I'm I'm with you on that because I kind of feel it's really not my place. But yeah, it's it, something that can be offered. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think that there are instances where it is needed for maybe just to inform the entity that right. they can go, you know, yeah. just, you know, maybe they just don't know. And, and so I think there's some instances, but like I said, it's just not for me. I don't feel like I should remove or push something out because what if it's there for something that's going to happen in 50 years? Exactly. That's and then it's way, not there. Good way of looking at that. So I just, I just feel like, you know, when people are, um, you know, some private home cases, you know, people are, you know, frightened, you know, freaked out about whatever it is. I always tell them right up front, look, I don't, I don't push things out, but maybe we can work with it to come up with some rules and Mm -hmm. to where you can coexist and not have any problems. And so I always try and take that approach. I, I don't, it's just not for me. That's that's I, I agree with you on that. Absolutely. And there's ways that you can, you know, cleanse the energy and kind of clear and, and kind of change the pathways of the energy a little bit, too, which can help. So, yeah. Yeah. So and I think with, if there are people who do it in, in a, um, I don't know what the term humane way. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think I there like are that. people that do it in a good way. But you have to find those people and, you know, get that trust with them. Um, yes. You know, to recommend them for anything like that. So it's, yep. that's kind of a sticky one for me because I just, it's like I said, it's just not for me. Yeah. I, I, I agree with what you're saying on that. Absolutely. Uh, with that, let's kind of segue because you're a psychic medium, uh, a, a very genuine and humble one at that, which I respect. How long have you <laughs> known that you've had? No, I, it's true. I mean, I, I, I've, I felt that when I met you and there's, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, um, I think, I mean, I'm kind of going on a tangent here. I think everyone has the ability to be intuitive and tap in with their their, right on. their sensitivities and, and they can learn to mm-hmm. uh, um, improve their, their own nat- natural clairs and all clairaudience, clairsentience, mm-hmm. uh, all of that. Um, some people are just, I guess, better adapted at it than others. Uh, but how long have you uh, known about your abilities is it something that um, consciously, <laughs> consciously, yeah, I know. consciously, consciously have known about them for about seven years? Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, about seven years. Um, you know, I'm proof that anybody can do it. <laughs> that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've mentioned, you know, on my show before that um, 
my wife, my beautiful wife will, when this first started, when I had my kind of experiences to awaken, you know, you, how do you do this? <laughs> how do you do this? You know? And, and so, you know, to me, I, I feel weird calling myself a psychic medium still. Um, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I just, I have always felt weird about calling myself that. Uh, and it's okay. still, you know, to this day. And, and, you know, I, I totally in a rookie in that part of spiritual life. Um, you know, and I think I'll be a rookie probably until I die. Uh, oh, I, 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 and then I maybe I can yeah. level up, but yep. um, <laughs> that's, I kind of feel that way as well. Like, with so just I don't know. Normal. What are your, uh, like yeah. how, do you so, have a certain approach to how you work um, psychically? Is there a method that, um, that you prefer over others? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, everybody's a little different. Mm-hmm. Am I still good? Looks yeah, like my you're fine. Yeah. Slow. No, it's okay. Am I good? Check, yeah, check. Yeah, you're good. Check, um, check. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> everyone's a little different but there are things you tend to you you tend to gravitate towards yeah and music's music's always been in my blood it's been a part of me and so i gravitate towards sound oh um, right on right on you know uh that's just kind of how that's just me mm-hmm. um so i always kind of gravitate towards sound so if um i'm going to be doing an investigation where i'm supposed to be you know, doing a psychic investigation mm-hmm. or remote viewing on a location, especially in COVID times, you yeah. know, uh, send me pictures of your home and then we can see what's going on there sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I like to use sound and binaural waves um, to kind of just center, you know, uh, the centering, you know, grounding process and just kind of set myself. I found that when I listen to binaural waves, I, I almost feel like I'm getting charged up like a battery and then i I feel like i'm going to start bouncing off the walls (laughs) you know like "Ah!" um so it's it's interesting but i I guess i i like to use sound and hyper focus um which is something i learned from my good friend william becker oh Um, yeah yeah he's he's, great yeah he's gonna be on he's gonna be on my show next tuesday oh Um, fantastic yeah so um, but I learned hyper focus um, as a different way to approach meditation because mm-hmm. for me, when somebody says the word meditation throughout my life, it's been like, yeah, right. I can't do that. I can't slow my brain down. Um, oh, I have a hard time with mine too. It's yeah. Crazy. So have, <laughs> looking at it as more of a hyper focus where you, you let your brain go and you go with it. And then you focus on certain details and then you focus on down even more on more details, more details, more details. And then finally you feel like you're in this place, mm-hmm. you know, the, the zone or whatever you want to call it. And, but I like to use sound and, and visualization of, of details. Um, I often use, for some reason, I am, my brain always wants to go to red rock canyons, you know, like grand Canyon area. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, I think because of, 
that's I spent a lot of time there growing Sedona up. Um, beautiful, just beautiful. So My aunt actually I, just moved to Prescott. They're actually uh, oh yeah, bought a, or I think they're building a house there, two acres they bought. So it's just such a nice great place. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's uh, talk about a place with energy. Um, oh, yeah. So I think that's why I always go there. I spent summers there as a kid. Um, with my grandparents. And so I think that's just why I always go there. And then I have a horse that I use to kind of dial me in. So I use the, I have this horse and he comes up, he'll come from around the corner and I focus on every single detail I can about that horse every time, you know, is there dust clouds coming up from under his hoofs or does it seem like mm-hmm. it just rained a little because there's no dust? Mm-hmm. Is uh, did I just hear a bird? What do his hoofs sound like? I have an apple in my hand. What does that feel like? I hold my hand out. He takes a bite. What does that feel like? What does it sound like as he eats the apple? That's kind of how I get into it. That's just focusing on all that's little incredible. details. Absolutely incredible. So, and that's something everyone can do. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. So. <clears throat> But that's kind of how I I approach or getting into it. And then I just try and be open and just try. I get things in many different ways, um, you know, in all the different ways. So then it's just trying to be very cognizant of what I'm seeing or feeling or hearing or knowing and just and then trusting it, which is the hardest part. Yes, so that's see that's the key right there is is trusting it because the brain is always trying to almost it's like it argues you know it's like it, it wants to constantly yes. make <laughs> logic out of stuff but it's like yeah that that trusting mm-hmm. it that's a big one but that the hyper focus I mean I can see why it works and it, you're right it's some it's yeah something it's, that, that everyone can do everybody can do so everybody listening out there i mean you can try that just try for like five minutes mm-hmm. at a time you know don't make it this big ordeal but just try and close your eyes and you and just what do you start thinking about are you you know think of a location i guess is a good way to start what kind of location does your brain go to are you at the beach are you in a city concrete jungle <laughs> you know uh are you in a spaceship? I mean, if you're one of those kind of people, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, where does your brain go? Think of a location and then go there in your mind. And then now start looking around. Do you see cars? Are there other people? If so, what are they wearing? What colors are they wearing? Are there trees? What kind of trees are they? Are they blowing in the wind? Do you hear the wind blowing through the leaves? You know, and you just start looking at everything and focus on details. And then before you know it, everything else gets out of your mind. And you're at a, you're at a place where you can um, look within and then look out. So, right. It just yep. opens up It's a up neat process. Window. Yeah. I, I <clears throat> yeah. think sometimes some people may do it automatically. But, I mean, when you really are intently focusing on that, that's just mm-hmm. going to help. I mean, with life in general, but I mean, obviously oh, yeah. communicating with spirits, obviously that's so beneficial. Yeah. So we have uh, just about 15 minutes left in the show. Uh, are there any specific, cause obviously the show's titled the afterlife Chronicles and it mainly <laughs> concentrates on that connection between um, the mm-hmm. living realm and the afterlife. Are there any really profound uh, inspirational 
experiences you've had with the afterlife that have really opened your mind up to the spirit realm that you'd like to well, share? Well, I, to, and that's okay. yeah, no, no, I'll share um, one as a kid, which I've, I've talked to you about before. So oh, yeah. one, one one way a story from way back when that always kind of stuck with me to something more more current. Um, the first experience, and I didn't really have any exposure to ghosts except for Ghostbusters. By this point, <laughs> um, I think I was seven years old and driving through northern Arizona, heading towards Sedona with my grandparents. And, uh, I was in the middle, my grandpa was driving, my grandma, my grandma was taking a nap (laughs) on the other side of me and two native Americans appeared in the middle of the highway and, you know, we're doing highway speed and they had their backs to us. And when they appeared, they turned towards each other and looked back towards our vehicle. And my grandpa hit the brakes and right when we, got to them, went through them, whatever they just, it vanished. Um, and on the sides of the roads, it was flat and there was nobody running off to the side of the road or anything. Cause mm-hmm. I looked back and my grandpa, I, I didn't know what I saw. My grandpa slammed the brakes on <laughs> and then went through them. And then, so he looked at me and said, did you see those old natives in the road? And I said, yes. And then he tells me, okay, don't tell your grandmother. And he didn't want to scare her. <laughs> he saw it. I saw it. And that always stuck with me. But I'll tell you, we never talked about it ever again. That was it. But I always remember that as I, looking back now as an impactful moment because mm-hmm. I was kind of the rest of that car ride thinking, how could that be? What right. is that? They just vanished. Who were they? Um, oddly enough, after my awakening, quote unquote awakening that Seth Michael from White Light Paranormal Insight helped me with, uh, my guide that was there to facilitate the opening, the awakening was one of those Native Americans that I saw. That's um, that's so, just like that's phenomenal on so many levels. Yeah, so uh, that's impactful because it, it, later in life I realized, whoa, whoa, <laughs> back <laughs> the truck bet. up here. Wait a second. I didn't yeah. know what that was, but now I kind of do. Um, <clears throat> and then more recently, um, <clears throat> occasionally I'd, I'll have a reading where someone and someone who hasn't gone to the light yet, they're earthbound, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily for a bad reason but they just haven't gone through the soul's car wash yet. You know, the light, they, ha- they haven't gone oh my gosh, through it I yet. love that. <clears throat> yeah. That's what I think I'm of it as. steal that. The soul's car wash. That's awesome. Yeah. You go through it and then you're a part of the light and you can come right? back and go as you want. But if you don't go through the light, you've got all the dirt on you still. You've got all the stuff that held you down in life and it bothered you. So there's been a number of readings where, um, and it wasn't like a bad person or a bad spirit. They mm-hmm. just had a lot of regret or sadness. Yeah. And so occasionally I get, get one that it's hard to have them. It's hard to get them to leave. And then I just, I feel drained and, you know, just real heavy and stuff. And sometimes 
you know, they'll stick around for a few hours or maybe overnight. And then I'm like, then they'll finally go away. But, um, I had an experience at, um, it's okay to say the old Wheeler hotel. Um, Oh, that's another place that I visited that briefly. Wow. Yeah. And so I don't really know if I, I can't say in Port Campbell or any of the private investigations I've done that I can say like I've been touched, you know, or poked or pushed or, you know, my hair got pulled or anything like that. But at the old Wheeler, I had an experience in, in that, in the basement there where oh, wow. I've, I got a hug from somebody oh. and it was around my waist and that was, it took me oh. a few days. It took me a few days to, kind of get over that and the I feelings can imagine. And oh my gosh so, yeah and it felt like you know when you get a novocaine shot yeah you know for like oh, you're yeah. getting some dentistry done or you know a skin uh, skin procedure and you get a shot mm-hmm. and how your skin feels and your lips feel you know yeah, that kind of numbness yeah. mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's what it felt like and it wrapped around my waist and was really cold and I even felt like I got nudged back a little bit. So I, I think I got a hug from somebody there and um, oh. it just kind of, it stuck with me. Um, I feel like the, who I got this hug from at least a piece of this person may have gone home with me and just was there. And um, after a while, after a couple of days, I had to be like, okay, I, th- I think it's time for you to go back. <laughs> Need mm-hmm. to leave me alone. But it was, I don't know. I just felt a lot of emotions though after that until it went away. I can imagine. And perhaps that, that energy felt drawn to you because he or she maybe knew that you were the one to, to help. I don't know. I hope so. I I hope so. That's just, that's just a thought that came to my mind, but I, I too had a similar experience on board the, uh, the RMS Queen Mary, where I felt, uh, uh, and I was actually laying down at this, at, in one of the staterooms, but it was, uh, uh-huh. I could feel that it was a very loving presence that I, that I felt, and uh, and I cool. felt it like literally touch me. So it, it, uh, I, I can empathize with with that feeling yeah. that you were feeling. So, so incredible when you, story. Yeah, when so when you felt it touch you i mean did did you get kind of a numbness too or was it cold or how would you describe what it felt like yes it actually there was a little bit of a coolness almost like if you put uh um what is that stuff that you rub on like if you're sick i forget the name of it a vapor rub oh almost, uh vapor like, rub yeah vix yeah yeah exact vix yeah so almost like that but yeah. it, it felt tingly and then almost like spider like if you walk into a spider web and that's what it felt like. Okay. But it, I felt the actual yeah. two hands go down, but it was not a oppressive feeling. It was a very loving, very, very welcoming yeah. feeling. So, yeah. Well, and if and the fact that you took it that way, um, yeah. I think there's another the, internet issue. Oh, yeah, there think, it is. Okay. Oh. <sighs> I I think because you, all right, woohoo. Um, (laughs) I think you, I think you're right about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh Oh, am I still frozen? (laughs) Um, Am I back? You're back. You're back. Yeah. 
And now you're frozen again, but it's all good. You there? You know what? This is just the internet. You know, you got to love the internet. And uh, I'm getting a kick out of seeing uh, Pete's frozen face. Just he's frozen in time, folks. He's frozen in time. So there's five minutes left in the show. Um, He's probably going to come back. But in the event that he doesn't, I will just take this time now to uh, share uh, next week's uh, guest guests, not one, two, uh, Nicole Tito and Lisa Crick from the American Spectral Society out of Chicago, Illinois. And uh, I met them back in 2009 at when we all worked for, and I still do research with the Oregon, not Oregon, uh, Ghost Research Society out of Chicago, Illinois, but I first met Nicole and Lisa uh, when they were part of the Ghost Research Society, and we got to investigate Waverly Hills and in uh, Robinson, Illinois. So uh, looking forward to having them on. Uh, it sounds like Pete's internet just totally went kaput, but we were pretty much at the end of the show anyways. Great experiences there that he's had at Port Gamble, and I don't know if he's coming back. Is he back? Are you back? I don't know if he's back yet. I we'll see. Hello Are you there. Are you, oh, you came back. I was just totally <laughs> rambling on talking about next week's guest. And oh the, yeah, the, back, but yeah. you know what? Yeah. So apparently my internet went out. So gotta I love to it. Over. Gotta love it. Had to, had to switch over to yeah, the mobile no network thing. No worries. Um, yeah. So I'm back. I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. I was just saying that you know you've shared the uh, profound experiences that you've had and, and just a lot of really good insight uh, about research and, and the paranormal. So it's really been a wonderful time having you on. Love to have Thank you, you back on in the future uh, for sure. So we can go ahead and schedule that. But okay. uh, like I was saying, uh, when your internet went out, so next week I'm having uh, Lisa Crick Tito from the American Spectral Society on, they are going to be discussing the Estes method. They've been, nice. uh, using that a lot lately with some great success that should be a very interesting show i want to thank yeah. you again to uh, pete for joining me tonight on thank the afterlife you. chronicles and uh i guess that's it folks i hope you have a wonderful night and we will see you next week all right have a good one Bye-bye. bye bye